and welcome to Magical Mystical Journeys. I'm Amy Renee, and I'm here with two other amazing ladies, Katie and Andrea. Katie, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm Katie Valentine. I'm your metaphysical Christian minister, New Testament scholar, intuitive. Andrea. And I'm Andrea St. Amand, an evidential psychic medium. Mm, thank you so much, everyone, for being here with us today. Shall we dive into this episode's enlightened being? Listeners, I'm can ready. you guess who it is? I'm ready. <laughs> I hope I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready or not for this one. <laughs> so here's a hint. You may have heard of him from the Bible. And with the launch of this first season's Magical Mystical Journeys, a question arose with his name in it. What would Jesus do if he were to start a podcast? <laughs> so today's guide is Jesus. Katie or Andrea, how like for you, what is your experience of Jesus? How, how might someone know that Jesus is present with them? Want me to tackle that first, yeah. Katie? <laughs> totally, um, yes. He, I was, he's intimidating to me. I don't know why. He's so intimidating to me, more so than any other being, more so than in anybody that we've talked about or that I've experienced. And I think, you know, it's very personal to me. He's so big in our culture. You know, he's such, he triggers so many people. I mean, people hate him, you know, mm. um, as much as love him. So to me, he's kind of a lot to get your arms around. But it's my first experience with him, I actually talked about last week with Michael, is that, you know, I had this sort of out-of-body dream experience, and Michael showed me um, not just the whole beginning and history of time and everything like that, but also that Jesus was there. And mm-hmm. for me, and the whole time, I felt like I'm not allowed to be seeing him. I'm not supposed to be here. And it was almost like I didn't deserve it. There was those feelings of like, I'm too small. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't communicate with Jesus directly because he's too important. He's way too important. So it's interesting that I had that experience of like, it, it's, he's not too important for you. He knows you're here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be here without his permission, so to speak. So going, like moving through that sort of, this is too big. I don't deserve it. When I, when I have let myself just feel that presence of him it suddenly to me becomes very, very vulnerable in a way, you know, letting your guard down, like knowing that he's there. It's sort of all encompassing energy, very warm all around me. And it's like knowing, well, Michael's got my back. He's the guard, you know, so I could just relax into this huge presence. It's almost like what, you know, what came up for you, Amy, is a sense of self-forgiveness and self-love. And I, I almost, I got this um, image that if Michael is the security guard, the bodyguard, then Jesus is the asset. You know, he's mm. the treasure. <laughs> and it's the same with us though, as well, like pulling that inside of us, that Christ being that's inside of us. Michael's got our back. We can be vulnerable and expand and trust. So that was a long-winded answer. I, I love what you said about vulnerability because that really, I think that captures a lot of my experience. And so, you know, as a, as a Christian minister, I'll, I'll start off by saying Jesus is not an ascended master. You know, for Christians, Jesus has the special status. I mean, Jesus is the 
savior, the ascended master, um, the mm. friend, you know, everything's like in a capital, a capital letter. And there's no one way to understand that. Christianity has dozens, hundreds, thousands, probably, probably ways to understand that. And so my relationship is always evolving. It's always changing. Mm. It's not the same today as it was yesterday uh, or last week or last month. And that's as, as it should be. Um, so for, I, you know, what I said earlier, I don't know that I have a special experience of Jesus because it's constant. Mm. Right? Like, like Christians, Jesus followers are called to be in that constant communication. Um, some days I do better than other days. And uh, that Jesus showed us what it was to live a human life of integrity, of truth, of wisdom, and that I'm, I'm supposed to follow that every day. And so it's not particular. It's more all-encompassing for me because it's called to be. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. So with these other beings that we've discussed and, and also when I'm giving readings, I, they, I humanize them, right? Mm-hmm. They put, yeah. I put Archangel Michael in a body. <laughs> um, but with Christ, I don't feel like it's a body. I feel like he's, uh, it's just, just this huge energy that takes up the whole room. The cosmic Christ. Yeah. Is that how you feel, Katie? Like you're feeling that presence? I feel both. I feel both because for, for Christians, the fact that God comes to earth and takes on a human body is what makes our incarnated experience precious. Right. So like, I know, like, so I know whenever um, I'm thinking, God doesn't know what it feels like to be, you know, whenever I'm kind of complaining, I'm like, I was a human experience I'm having. I'm like, oh, right. But God does know exactly what that feels like because God came to earth and got a body. (laughs) And so the the humanness of Jesus is um, super important to me, right? Like that Jesus had had a human body and experienced um, many of the things that I do too. And then Jesus has an ascended, the ascended one after the resurrection um, and ascended body, you know, he has a resurrected body and ascended in body, but is also part of the creation of the whole universe mm. for me. So, but, you know, so I love it that like Jesus can be so cosmic and, and huge, but also very personal yeah. Yeah, for each individual person. And uh, I'll speak later about like my earliest memory, I think of, mm. of Jesus. But so that's my first stab at that. It's really hard to put into words. Yeah, it's really yes. hard to put into words. Yeah. It is. And, and I'll, I'll say at the beginning, I'm having to let go, let go of a little bit of my bias of like channeling Jesus. I, I, I think, you know, for mo, mo, most of my life, probably until recently, I'm like, no, you can't channel Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. So I'm having to let go mm. of Christians having a monopoly mm. on Jesus. And that is uh, challenging. <laughs> that is challenging mm-hmm. for me. So I'm entering into this new expanded space, hopefully. Ooh. I think you just tapped on what I was trying to get my words around too of like, am I allowed? Yeah. Am I allowed to talk directly to Jesus? Am I no. allowed? Am I w- it's, deserving? And it's so like in every Protestant listening to you is going to be like, of course you are. That's the whole thing. Like we can go directly to Jesus. And probably every, yeah. every Catholic and Orthodox person is like, yeah, I understand. I understand. Like sometimes you need an angel or Mary or someone to help you get there. So <laughs> Even Christians are not agreed on this, you know, right? We all have different experiences. So funny. What comes up for me within this is like, there's a sense of like, 
we're here to walk each other home. You know, mm. he's here to hold our hand, mm. to walk with us. Like he wow. came in such a big way. And so for me this week, as I was connecting with Jesus and, you know, every day just setting the intention, Jesus, you know, what messages, like, what would you like me to know? What is, you know, just connecting, allowing. And I had the biggest heart opening experience like this, like all this emotion, like almost like I wanted to cry because it was just like so much love and gratitude there. And it was just so, so special. Actually, before we go on, I really do want to honor Jesus in this way. Katie, would you like to lead us in an invocation? Yeah. Today I've chosen a pre-written one, and this is attributed to St. Patrick's Breastplate, and it's an, a, most certainly not written by St. Patrick, but it is attributed to St. Patrick. And I'm going to read the pretty traditional version because I do think it's the most beautiful. And um, I don't know how to translate it because I don't speak, uh, read ancient Irish. So mm. I'm going to read this kind of a shortened version of it. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to see before me. God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to secure me. Against snares of the devils, against temptations and vices, against inclinations of nature, against everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and anear, alone and in a crowd. Christ be with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ where I lie, Christ where I sit, Christ where I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ Mm. in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Christ. May your salvation, God, be ever with us. Amen. I adapted it to be gender inclusive, though. I love it. Oh, my gosh. What a powerful. mm, It is. Beautiful. I have a quick question because I don't remember the answer to this. Amy, since you are now in shamanic practices, how were you? Were you raised in the Christian faith? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My entire childhood, like we went to like vacation Bible school and church all the time and a hundred percent, even when I had my, my first son, you know, I, I was taking him to church. So it was a bit, you know, scary, especially for my mom. When the shamanic path showed up for me, I was like, mom, I just have to trust that, you know, this is God's will. Like this is showing up for for a reason. And, you know, what's cool about the shamanic path that I work with, it is all inclusive. So I include Jesus. I include all these different guides. And I, I feel like a lot of people may have their own belief system of what that shamanic path is or what that means to be a shaman. And for me, it's, it's being in the present moment, being with each piece that shows up. So I hope Hope that kind of answers your question. Yeah, that's great. So there's something that did come up for me, Katie, as you were just sharing of, you know, we don't channel Jesus, but 
when we have that question, what would Jesus do? Like, <laughs> to me, that in a way, it kind of, it is connecting like that. Yeah, so yeah. I would just love to hear yeah. kind of what your thoughts are, views on that even. Well, my, my snarky religious studies friends, when we were, you know, of the age when that was a popular, I think I was probably like a, a young, young college student. Mm. We changed it from WWJD, from what would Jesus do to we want Jack Daniels. <laughs> so um, you're not going to find um, uh, people who, who study this stuff religiously, sorry for the pun, um, have like the most snarky and kind of yeah. jaded, you know, view of all of this. But yeah, so I don't, you know, I think my relationship to anything called channeling is evolving, it's changing. I think we're, sometimes when we ask that question, we're invoking not what Jesus would do, but what we project we want Jesus to have done. (laughs) Not always what Jesus would actually do. Like the answer, what Jesus would actually do usually makes me be like, damn it. I would really (laughs) rather not. Absolutely. Right. And so, but like, I'm not sure we're defining channeling, but I know a practice that I have and I don't always succeed is when I'm irritated, angry this week in particular, when recording the news has been challenging you know, and it's been easy mm-hmm. to be, have knee jerk reactions to people's responses. And I'll pause and I will say, Jesus loves this person way more than I could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to see them like Jesus does. Flaws and all. And so I try to enter into that perspective, that empath- um, empathic, empathetic perspective. And like, Amy, what you said, like Jesus walks us home. Oh my gosh like what a beautiful way to say that and so I've got to imagine like Jesus is beside that person as much as I'm annoyed at them and then Jesus is probably laughing at me being like just get a grip (laughs) get a grip enter into love you know (laughs) I think it's that the perspective and that is so huge and when and, and maybe that's and we'll talk about this a little bit more maybe that's what Christ consciousness means is like allowing yourself to have a much greater perspective of a situation. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of questions, so Andrea and I both had a similar question that arose for us. Katie, can you tell us where the Christ part of his name came from? Or like, what's the difference between Jesus and Christ? Or like all these multiple names that are associated with Jesus, Yeshua, Christ, God, Lord. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so, ooh, like softball. I love the not life <laughs> first one because I can answer this on a historical linguistic level and then we can talk about the energy of it. Ooh. That sounds right. Okay. So Christ is simply a title. It is, it comes from the Greek word Christos, which is a translation or it's a, the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah. Oh. So it's that easy. Messiah in Hebrew. And then uh, it's translated into Greek as Christ. And so Jesus Christ is really like Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah. So pretty, pretty simple, straightforward. Now, exactly what Messiah means in the Hebrew Bible and then what it means in the New Testament, you know, there's, there's an evolution there of the meaning. That's a horrible way to say that because um, the Hebrew Bible is complete in its understanding of the Messiah, but Christians take that, that title that's applied to many people in the Hebrew Bible and assign it to one individual, and that individual is Jesus. So Christ isn't a last name or anything like that. It's a title. Um, so that's the, the most straightforward answer. Was he given that title during his life? Do we know? 
We don't know. And so the, the earliest record we have in the New Testament is actually not the Gospels. It's the letters of Paul. Mm-hmm. And so the Paul is our earliest witness. But Paul did not know Jesus when Jesus was a living. Paul only knew the resurrected Jesus. So Paul was not a disciple that walked around with Jesus. And so we, Paul obviously talked to people who were, who did know Jesus and then applies this title Mm. to Jesus as the Messiah, not, not one among many, but like the Messiah in the gospels, which are written much late, not much later, but a couple of decades later, you know, ranging, uh, they have about a 50 year range themselves. We do have the proclamation in the gospel of Matthew, where the disciples are kind of always like questioning, like, are you, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus is usually kind of cagey in these examples, but we do have the example of Peter asking, you know, um, are you the Messiah? Well, who do you say I am? And that Peter's kind of confesses like a confession, like, yes, you are, you are Mm. the Messiah. You are the one. So did people apply that title to him while he was living? We don't, we, we don't have any eyewitness accounts. So who knows? Um, but it seems likely that his followers attributed that title to him. What about Yeshua? Do you, have you heard Jesus be referred to as Yeshua before? Yeah, the Aramaic Hebrew version of Jesus. Okay. Yeah, so Jesus okay. is the Greek version. Yeshua is what the Aramaic oh, okay. name would have been. Cool. So yeah, so some people really like Jesus is really loaded and toxic for some people for pretty obvious reasons. Um, so some people, Yeshua feels a little more authentic. Mm. to them. And so that's the, the name that they'll use. So what have I missed? Lord. Um, so Lord um, is simply curious. And that's, um, it's, it's another title. It's a, it's an honorific in the ancient world. And so any, any male who was your superior or your teacher or your father mm. or your governor or your, the Caesar would have been a curious, a curious. So like Lord simply means curious. For that reason, there's many feminist scholars who won't use Lord. And in fact, I uh, adapted the invocation from Lord to God mm. for that reason, because it implies this like gender hierarchy. Ah, Yeah. And so there's that. <laughs> so for me, what else is coming up is some people refer to Jesus as God. And for me, like some of what, had come into my life is like, God is the father of Jesus. How, how might you describe yeah, that? And or? so I think this is where it gets tricky and this really depends on your Christian tradition. And so m- most, not all Christian traditions are Trinitarian where you have God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, or God, the creator, God, the child, God, the spirit, you know, however, whatever kind of terms you want to give to that relationship. And in that case, Jesus is God's child and may have been around in some form since the beginning of time, but also is not God. And so back to St. Patrick with the explanation of the shamrock, that God exists in three persons, creator, child, and spirit, but they're distinct personalities. I find personally this explanation to be confusing and not able to be understood. And so there's also non-Trinitarian traditions where like in some Pentecostal traditions, the oneness traditions, Jesus is God. There is no separation between Jesus and God. Like Jesus is literally God incarnate on earth and God and, and knew, okay. uh, knew everything. But most Christians, I think, would say if they're bothering to articulate it at all, which honestly, most of us don't, <laughs> you know, we just sort of walk, we just sort of have presumptions. But um, I think most Christians would sort of differentiate between God the Father, God, and Jesus. 
expressed in Jesus. But but yeah, I'm kind of curious. This is all, um, I don't want to be too just like technical and cut and dry too. So I'm kind of curious about the energy of all of this, like how, how this is impacting our understanding and experience of Jesus. I guess I'll say also that for me, like Jesus in scripture is only one small part of the Jesus experience. It points us to an experience. It's not the totality of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a lot of, a lot of Christians get, they almost see the Bible as an idol, mm-hmm. it, you know, instead of a, a companion, it should be a companion for us, mm-hmm. not wow. the end all be all. Um, the, the experience of Jesus is uh, the Bible cannot capture that. Such a good point. What comes up for me, even with this, like the words themselves, you know, whether it be Jesus, Yeshua, Christ, God, Lord, like what is the felt experience in the body, in the beingness of who we are when we connect to each of those terms? So even looking at it in in those different ways, um, I know that there's, Andrea had a question too about this. What was he actually killed for? It sounds so obvious. Yes. Everyone knows <laughs> Jesus died. And then I started thinking, this is the lawyer in me. I was like, wait, what, what crime did he commit? Did he commit? And who, like, what? Can you talk to us about that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is getting into one of these, like, super tricky areas because there's a lot of anti-Semitism that comes up around the death of Jesus. So there's, there's I mean, it's been the justification for violence against Jews for a long time, like the Jews killed Jesus, the Jews killed our Savior. Mm. And so we have the four accounts of Jesus' death in the four Gospels, and they kind of align. The details differ quite a, not not a whole lot, but they differ a little bit. And then we have the witness of Paul. And so the very first thing that Paul says, our first writer in the New Testament, over and over and over, Christ crucified, Christ crucified, Christ crucified. So I think it is a historical event. I think there's no historical records, but these this is a thing that happened in early Christianity, and it was very embarrassing. It was very embarrassing to the early Christians that their Savior died because savior, uh, Savior's gods weren't supposed to be able to be put to death wow. like this. And so it's the number one question I think we see early Christians having to wrestle with, why did Jesus die? And so in the accounts, Jesus is, I mean, the, the feeling that you get is that that's expressed is that Jesus is um, a threat to local authorities, to local religious authorities. Mm. And so there's sort of this scheme a little bit to like have Jesus um, tried for blasphemy and then is handed over to the Romans in this kind of complicated way. And then the Romans are the ones who crucify Jesus. But the crime would be blasphemy. But the, the, the sort of religious crime would be blasphemy. And I get the, the Roman crime would have been um, usurpation, like trying to usurp the Caesar by being a king. Mm. And so the title that goes over on the Jesus cross is king of the Jews, which was made to mock him. So not, yeah. so, you, so is, he, is he trying to um, inspire insurrection mm. through these king titles that people were giving him? Um, and so that's the kind of, scapegoating reasons mm-hmm. that, that we see. Uh, and again, I just want to emphasize that like Jews killed Jesus is um, A, inaccurate and, and B, really harmful. So let's not continue to... Listeners, if you've ever said that, forgive yourself, but don't ever say it again. <laughs> and correct people when you hear it. <laughs> but this is, I think, the question of why did Jesus die on the cross is the question of early Christianity. And we see a lot of different answers to that. 
Mm. And we, we don't have one solid answer. So I don't know. What do you all think? Why did Jesus die on the cross? What is, what is the meaning of that for you? You know what? The first thing that comes to me, because I spend most of my day talking to um, deceased people <laughs> for clients who are still here. Yeah. And when anybody dies tragically or too soon or too young, it's the first question you're asking God. So that question is still with us today. It might not be Jesus, but it might be your dog. It might be your, you know, anybody who you've lost too soon. Why, 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 why? Yeah. And maybe that's a human, just a natural human response to grief. Mm -hmm. Mm, I love that. For me, what comes up is this like, this oneness, like I was reminded of the oneness of who we are, like big time within this and this like just divine love of we don't know when our time is going to be how or why or any of that and of course he came to shift consciousness in a way is what i feel and part of that shifting consciousness i feel was was that experience that he went through Mm. as far as his death Say more. That's I'm a. Uh, I like. I had not associated the shifting of consciousness with Jesus' death, other than yeah. he was brave enough to not stop speaking his words of truth, mm. to, which is what gets him killed. Mm-hmm. But like the actual death itself is part of the shifting of consciousness for you. Yeah, I I absolutely do believe that. Yes, a hundred percent. That they're like within that time of it happening, whether it be the people that were there witnessing, experiencing it. Like I feel that there was a shift, an energetic shift that took place then. You know what? Without his death, we wouldn't have had the resurrection. Right. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't have that belief that life goes on, you know, that real proof, so to speak, that life continues, the soul continues on. And so Amy, then that makes sense with what you're saying. That's a huge shift in consciousness, I think. And we have in the in the accounts, I'm thinking especially of the Gospel of Mark, although I think it's in all four, we have the like at nine o'clock, you know, Jesus is put on the cross. At 12 noon, the sky goes dark or, you know, like there's a really counting of the time and like he dies at three, like it, it, it goes like, especially in the gospel of Mark, it starts like day by day and then hour by hour and then minute by minute into mm. Jesus' death. And so, you know, traditionally Christianity has understand, understood that in, at the moment of Jesus' death, like time stands still. Mm. So when I get into my metaphysical, so I'm about to go like way woo-woo, but when I get into my metaphysical teaching, you know, if we have like alternate dimensions and alternate realities and parallel universes and all that. So my personal belief can't prove any of this. My personal belief is that like Jesus is in all of those and this moment happens. Mm. Like in every reality, whether it's exactly the same moment, who knows, right? But this moment of the shift, Mm. however that happens, whether it's Jesus' death, whether it's a resurrection, whether it's something else, like the moment of the shift is... um, important and so i you know all those it's that moment of frozenness that ties yeah. all of those together so again no one um I, there's no proof of this just katie's katie's bringing together of all of her different worlds mm, i love it it's so perfect because it like even when we have an aha moment in our life it's like that's that moment and so i like i had no idea that 
shared in the Bible, the, you know, the day and the hours and whatnot. So that's really interesting. Did you have um, anything this week that you wanted to share as far as the biblical stuff goes? Be more specific. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some, sometimes you'll have like, Oh, Oh, got it. Oh, oh, oh. To say about Jesus. <laughs> um, no, I think, no, I think I kind of, I think we kind of covered it. Like, unless there's okay. other questions. Yeah. But like kind of the earliest writings, there's really no eyewitness accounts. I think another, another question that we had like, kind of bounced around was, you know, is the whole new Testament about Jesus? Yes. The, this is the major difference between the old Testament and the new Testament. The old Testament is really about the people of Israel and the stories begin in primordial time mm -hmm. up through, um, you know, a particular kind of defined moment when a couple of hundred years before Jesus lived mm -hmm. um, and really tells about the trials and tribulations that the Jewish people experience. And about God's interaction with with the Hebrew people, the Israelites, through time. Through, I mean, the writing of the Hebrew Bible takes place over about a thousand years, and then the timeline of the Hebrew Bible is much longer than that. And so, the you know, the whole New Testament is in some way, shape, or form a response to the Jesus event, oh. right? And it can't. So, like Paul's mm. the earliest writer, but then when the end of the world doesn't happen, then they're like, okay, well, we need to um, talk about Jesus' life. So then the Gospels are written. And then, you know, I feel like the later, some of the later epistles, which are um, the ones that are, in my opinion, kind of diluting the Jesus message from one of radical inclusion and acceptance into like, let's be a little bit more like Romans so that early Christians could survive. But they're all a response to the Jesus event and to the um, trials and tribulations that early Christian communities are going through. So the time period that, of the New Testament is much shorter, mm. much, much, much shorter, written in a very defined, like oh, written over just about 200 years. And most of that is written in the first, mm. like from the year 50 to 100. Oh, literally time did stop. <laughs> Go Sorry, for it. going back to the time stopping thing. I mean, our whole, yeah, our whole calendar yeah. changed. The whole calendar changes. Yeah. We, right. The whole calendar changes right. when Jesus dies. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, oh, later yeah. in the, in the medieval period, yeah. you know, they began to date according to when they thought that Jesus was born. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Or, There's, that's something we obviously right. take so mm -hmm. for granted. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. So even, even mm. people who are um, weary of too much Jesus, <laughs> toxic Jesus in our culture, which, you know, Hey, there's a lot. So I, I understand um, it. We're so surrounded by 2000 years of kind of caught this constant wrestling with the life, you know, the life and death of this person. It's so interesting. Yeah. So this, I love that this calendar aspect came up because like here we are, you know, and we go with 12 months and yet there's 13 moons. And so it's, for, that was one of the things that came up in my path of like, just bring, bringing awareness to like the time period and how it has shifted over the years. So I just find it kind of fascinating Katie, are there any, like, what would you say the fundamental differences are between his new teachings and the old teachings? Yeah. Um, so my, my perspective on this is um, I want to sort of be clear to dispel, again, an anti-Jewish understanding of Jesus in the New Testament, which is really, really common out there. So like Jesus came to eradicate the old covenant. And I think it's much more helpful if we see Jesus within his Jewish context as um, a part of the continuity of the, Jew of the Jewish experience. 
And so Jesus was a Jewish teacher. Um, he was never not Jewish. He was born Jewish, lived his whole life in you know, Galilee and Israel. And so we can see within Jesus the wisdom tradition of the, of the Jewish people. Yeah. So later Christians, you know, later Jesus followers who, who began to call themselves Christians began um, to separate from their parent faith, from the Jewish faith, over a slow period of time. But it's much slower than most Christians believe. So like Jesus himself was never Christian. Probably the 12 disciples were never Christian. They were Jewish. But within one generation of Jesus' death and resurrection, something really radical happens. The Jesus movement goes from being a kind of insider, Jewish, Palestinian, local movement, and it goes international, and it becomes Greek. And when it becomes Greek, um, Greek and Roman, and began to be, began to be spoken of um, by Greek speakers and by Latin speakers, then we see a real, a huge shift begin to take place. And somehow this mm. message was resonating. Jesus' message was resonating with people who weren't Jews. And this is a little unusual. Uh, this is a little unusual in the ancient world and especially among kind of faithful Jewish communities. And so it's then that people began to differentiate themselves because the traditional Jewish communities were saying, well, if you want to be Jewish, you need to like become circumcised, you need to convert, you need to adhere to dietary laws. And some of the, you know, so these Greek and Latin speakers were adult men were like, no, thank you. No, thank you. No circumcision for me. I prefer not to. Right. So um, it's, it's at this moment in time when we start to see that there's a separation between Jesus, the faithful Jew, who was very much in Jewish style, preaching um, and teaching reinterpretation of covenants that had always been. So when Jesus says, you know, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, he's being a really good Jew, right? And when he says the Old Testament, you know, the Old Testament commandments really mean this, he's simply participating in a reinterpretation process that was part of the Jewish tradition. And so, you know, the new covenant, if I put new in quotes, I think for Christians, um, you know, we obviously don't adhere to um, observant Jewish laws anymore, to purity laws, but you know what? I know a lot of Jews that don't either. So I'm not sure that that makes us all that distinct, mm -hmm. actually. But, you know, for Christians, it's the command, the, the greatest commandments from Jesus are the ones that come directly from the Old Testament. Love your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Directly from Deuteronomy, directly mm -hmm. from Leviticus. So for me, there's no separation of all of these parts of Jesus and the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Now, I know many listeners are going to be like, that is not what I was taught. Mm. <laughs> and that's not been my experience, right? But that's my five-minute take on it. Did I, did I sermonize? Sorry, I'm wearing my clergy shirt today. Did I go on? <laughs> did I get on a pulpit and on a soapbox? Sorry. I love it. <laughs> It's fascinating. I'm curious what your you're like. What are what are your understandings of of the of the of this of the covenant or of um, Jesus? Well, actually, like you, you both spoken about the presence of Jesus, but I would love to know like what's the status of Jesus, if any. Like for Christians, there's special status, like singular status. But you know, Jesus is like I said. There's no monopoly anymore, and that's mm. is my my learning. This is my growing edge, right? Mm. You know, I don't know that I can really fully answer that question. Like, part of me wishes I knew the Bible more than what I do now to fully be able to speak into that. And for me, like, it is just 
living the best I can, being as truthful as I can, being the best person I can and like honoring what shows up. So that's, you know, that's my basic experience of Jesus so far. And um, yeah, the ritual aspects of, of what he went through while, while he was here. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Amy, except going back to how we started, that he just feels so large. Yeah. It's almost intimidating. And then to allow that, yeah. I, don't, I have a message that I don't want to come <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of, you just spoke about a legend, um, this legend aspect, Katie. Are there any other legends that you would like to dispel around I'm so Jesus? so glad you asked because like this one drives me crazy. <laughs> Especially among the kind of the, the woo-woo crowd. Um, there's this idea that Jesus goes to India to learn. Like Jesus basically goes and learns from Buddhists and then comes back and teaches Buddhism in a Jewish form. Um, uh, and I, it's not, you know, I, I really love Buddhist. And um, I've, read a lot of, I've read a lot about Buddhism and I've incorporated Buddhist spiritual practices into my own life. So um, I'm, I'm a fan, y'all. I'm a fan of Buddhist philosophy, 100%. Mm-hmm. But this is also a way to try to dismiss Jesus' Jewish heritage. And like within Judaism, there was sufficient wisdom for Jesus to have grown, learned, and had, you know, obviously had a direct connection to God to teach everything that he taught. And this led, and I did a little research, this idea that Jesus goes to India it uh, rose in the 19th century. It rose, and like basically, mm. that someone, I've forgotten his name, but uh, there's a Wikipedia entry on it. He basically made this up and claimed that he ra- read ancient scrolls about this story. And then he later recanted. But the oh, wow. energy of like interfaith dialogue, I love. Like, no problem with that at all. And like, yeah. Jesus and Buddha were, you know, probably both enough and direct divine connection that they're, yeah, they're going to teach similar things. So do people yeah. today. Yeah. Right. And they teach about the oneness, but they do it within their own tradition. And that's cool. So people can understand and hear. So that's my number one myth to dispel. Other than that, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> mm, thank you. I think I might have brought up that actually before. Maybe it was just in our private that. offline chat. But that concept that the three wise men came to his birth and gave him, you know, things might have actually been them imparting Ooh, wisdom I love that kind of metaphorical interpretation. Say more, mm-hmm. Andrea. Let's talk about, let's talk about Christmas. I think that's all I know about it. But yeah, let's talk about Christmas. <laughs> yeah, can we talk about Jesus not talk about Christmas? Which now that I'm rethinking the whole word Christmas, now that we know that Christ mm. means Messiah. <laughs> Messiah-mas. That's so cool. Oh, I'm so, so going to send you all happy Messiah-mas cards next year. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. We should start something new. Maybe we can new. have a store That's up so by cool. then for people to buy Happy Messiah this <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. But I think it's just those that idea that the wise men came mm-hmm. from the East, correct? And then I was thinking that idea was put in my head probably by the same <laughs> uh, crowd that, that would right. believe that he traveled to India or that, that there's that mesh there. And I never thought of it as just negating his whole Jewish and Judaism, that there's the similar messages mm-hmm. in Judaism. And the, um, I, lo- but I love what you said about like the, the Magi imparting wisdom, 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 right? And like frankincense is such a high 
energy oil. Like I use it all the time and it drives my partner nuts. He doesn't like the smell of it. So <laughs> I try to be sparing in my use of it, but you know, those are highly symbolic. So we, we find those, the, the, the Magi, which is um, a loan word. And it really, they're astrologers, they're priests, they're foreign priests who are not Jewish coming to visit Jesus. So we do see this international crowd, you know, early on yeah. in Jesus life. So there's uh, no problem with that. But the, um, I always have in my, in my studies, I've always seen like, for instance, myrrh, uh, when Jesus is given myrrh, that's something that you would anoint, uh, dead bodies with. Interesting. Yeah. And it also, yeah, it has, oh. it has other uses too in the ancient world, yeah. but so it's a foreshadowing of Jesus death. Well, if they were mm. astrologers reading the sky, they would have, I guess, understood what was coming. I mean, not exactly. Yeah, but, and then and yeah. then keep in mind this gospel was written way later, and so that that author had some um, li- some liberty to add in metaphors and symbols okay. like that as well. Mm. It's so interesting. So I love how like the plant aspect is part of those three gifts Ooh. as well. Speak so, it, shaman. Speak it. it. Well, so for me, like <laughs> the frankincense, man. There's so many benefits to that. Like so many different uses uses. And the myrrh is like a boost. It like intensifies it. It like, it like gives us a power of, you know, mm. 10 or multiplication. So it's just kind of cool. And then the gold, you know, aspect of it too. Like what, for whatever reason, it's interesting because we spoke about, you know, colors related to the other um, ascended beings and guides and angels that we spoke about. To me, I experienced Jesus in this like, golden aspect like this golden Mm. light this golden sun this golden ray how about you two is there like any thing that comes up for you that sort of golden glow is the first thing i think of and then i get to this Mm -hmm. white pure light that's sort of the core of the earth fiery white and then everything just goes into like a prism so it'd be yeah a rainbow. Sure. I was going to say, Katie's yes, I have them. on my pride yeah. shirt, my pride clergy shirt today. Yeah. And uh, it's the first time I've been able to wear it. So I'm oh, really yeah. thrilled. It came too late mm. for pride last year. Yeah. So yeah, I don't do, I don't do visuals so well. So I don't have okay. colors for anyone. I think it's what you have on <laughs> s- speaks it. Yeah. Yeah. I want, says I want it all. some colors for these, <laughs> for these beans though. I, got, <laughs> I need to ask for it, I guess. <laughs> That's right. That's something that came up for me. Like, as I was connecting to Jesus, like he was reminding me of like to bring the fun aspect into, into the work. So I'll just share a couple of messages that came through. Mm. So Jesus is available by the power within. And we kind of spoke on this a little bit. So the question, what would Jesus do invokes that power within, but Katie, I really liked what you had spoke about earlier too. This like, I am presence came about and the soul being the pathway to God in a sense. Mm. Andrea, I know that um, you had shared in our group, a friend, a phrase from a friend, Christ is the quantum mind. Can you share a little bit more about like, I don't, okay. I don't know if I can. He knows a lot about quantum theory, which I don't 
know about much. It makes my mm. brain explode when I start thinking about multiple dimensions and realities that we all could be living in at the same time. Um, but that goes to that sense of Jesus is that it's, it's all encompassed this huge, large energy where the possibilities are endless. And, you know, the quantum is all these possibilities, not just 3D and black and white, whatever. So, oh, my friend had also stated, and I thought this was interesting, you know, that, that Christ should be viewed with the modern mind, you know, with what everything we know about science and, and thinking and consciousness. So rather than going back and looking at, like Katie said this, rather than looking at the Bible and using it as an idol, use it as a companion because our science is evolving. Yes. Our consciousness is evolving and expanding and expanding. And so I'm wondering if that's what Christ's energy yeah. is. Uh, that's what it feels like to me. I'll share really quick. What came up for me, like when, when with that um, phrase was I too, it feels like Christ consciousness to me. And it's almost like, the return of, of Jesus or the return of Christ, like, is it the realization of the Christ consciousness? So I'm curious, when you all say Christ consciousness, what do you, what do you mean? I need a definition. This is always a little slippery to me. And I'm always like, What's, what does that mean? What is it? Me too. I, in fact, the first note that I took coming into this was that the phrase Christ consciousness meant a lot. But you can't define it. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I cannot define it. For me, it's the universal intelligence in everything. Becoming aware of... <laughs> It's kind of the oneness again. So is that just consciousness or, or is it yeah, specific every, to Christ? Every, uh, mm, that's mm. a good point. Um, I feel it's all, we are, it's, it's, okay, if everything is one, okay, so Christ is one. We're all part of the Christ. Everything has consciousness, the plants. Like I, I, ha, I know for a fact, like I experienced the intelligence of the plants, the ore of the plants. And it's just like, whew, how do I even put that in words? Yeah, it, it is that everything is conscious and yet we're experiencing this separation at the same time for whatever reason. So that's what comes up for me. <laughs> that's super helpful. Thank you. Because that I'll say like Christ consciousness is kind of bandied around a lot as a, um, not as a throwaway, but it's just like, it's sort of assumed everyone understands what that means. And I kind of do, like, I kind of can feel into what people mean when they say that. But then sometimes I'm like, it's, it's a little easy. Sometimes it's easy to say, oh, that's mm. Christ consciousness. And then dismiss all of the other parts of the Jesus traditions, right? Which is, of course, what really interests me and knowing mm. that that doesn't interest mm. everyone. But yeah, no, I love that. Like Christ, Jesus lifted off from the pages of, of only the Bible or only the toxic version of Jesus and into this mm -hmm. oneness. And yeah, this one, like I'm not a dualistic person, right? I'm not, I don't have a dualistic spirituality where it's us, them or heaven, hell, right? So it's all this oneness. And yeah, so I can see like Jesus threaded throughout that throughout all of all of creation i can't can i read something just for fun just to make people laugh so yes please this is part of the tongue-in-cheek for christians out there i highly recommend getting this book just to make yourself laugh and it's called god is disappointed in you and it's a tongue-in-cheek it's a tongue-in-cheek oh, no. version of the bible 
but it cra- it just cracks me up. Um, so this is uh, from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we we're talking about the Magi. Jesus was born in a small town called Bethlehem. Despite his redneck beginnings, everyone seemed to realize that there was something special about Jesus. <laughs> Even foreigners noticed it. Following the astrological sign uh, auguring the birth of a new king, three wise men came to Israel to give Jesus really expensive gifts, including gold, which was the ancient world's equivalent of a gift card, (laughs) frankincense, which was kind of a perfume, and myrrh, which was almost the same thing as frankincense. They were not imaginative gift givers. This kind of um, exploration of Jesus, like I find incredibly creative, incredibly life-giving. Yeah. Like, right. Like this is, this is like uh, Mm. Amy, I think you were saying like Jesus encourages you to laugh. Yeah. And like this, like this Mm. kind of interaction with the Jesus story just thrills me to no end. Yeah. I love that. It is by, yes, I should credit them. Uh, Written by Mark Russell and the cartoons. There are cartoons are by Shannon Wheeler. Oh okay. my gosh! It's so I'm fun. gonna have to look at that. But if you're if you're seriously experiencing trauma from church, you might want to skip this one until you're <laughs> just for listeners. You might want to skip it until you feel like you're in a good place for it. It might help them actually. It might, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, share with us. Share the chat, yeah. please. Yeah. Okay. It's, <laughs> it is just an extension of what I've continued, what I kept saying about that expansion and the Christ being like all possibilities all in one. And to me, like thinking of him in a human in flesh, I, I got the message that the, the, there are the latent possibilities in all of us are endless. You know, it's just endless and endless and we are capable of so much and that um, his role we do say, oh, his role is God on earth. You know, what's his role for us? But I, I think that also means like literally his role is to prove my evidential mind coming in because I need things proven to me to prove that magic is real and that magic exists and that miracles are not just possible. I mean, they are possible, but they, they can totally exist. And so we can all be magical creatures we can all perform miracles and the key to doing that is to continue expanding into every facet mm. of our being so that like our soul so for each soul expand and expand into every facet of your soul and that is going to be the good bad and the ugly warts and all so it's not again not just like unicorns and butterflies and everything's love love is also can be suffering and heartache yeah and that's part of the land into that possibility right that's part of our vulnerability is being willing to experience that yes yes and that's where your strength is your strength is in your vulnerability i I love love it and i like it that you were brave enough to use the word magic Mm mm-hmm yeah oh yeah jesus to me was a magician like a, a good old-fashioned like he could actually i just feel like he could actually you yeah. know just not, not, magic. not it's not the trickster it's the actual not, magic no. yeah yeah not a trickster no I, a real magician absolutely you know? i love it andrea if people want to connect with you can you share a little bit about what you do and how they can yeah how they can yeah 
I give readings. So I do two major types. One, if people are wanting to connect with someone who's passed away, and that includes pets. Um, that's a mediumship reading. And I always provide evidence of who I'm in contact with. Unless, of course, someone like Christ steps in and can't <laughs> prove to you I'm talking to Christ or Archangel Michael. But they, those beings also give really good evidence about what's going down on, on earth. And then I also do psychic reading. By psychic, what I'm, I'm not doing fortune telling and looking into the future. I, I can look at some possibilities that might be in your energy. But what I'll be doing is some people like really need, they just feel lost. They need clarity. And so they're just wanting to hear from their higher self. And so I give evidence there too about you know things that might have happened in their lives or what, what's needing to be focused on or moved into or let go of. That's 90% of us, us hanging on to things well after their expiration date. So that's what I do. And, um, so uh, there's some co- grief, there's some grief coaching and that's some educating people on what, you know, stages of grief. Um, and there's also, you know, some life coaching aspects so people can, Find me mm, thank you. I want to actually, I want to thank you because I know that I had a reading with you. It's been quite some time. It was around Christmas time. And at the m- moment that you gave me the reading, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me right away. And then afterwards, it was like all the stuff coming in. And I was like, ah, I get it now. So thank you for the work that you do. And I just... Oh, thank you so much. That's something we actually call like psychic amnesia because there's so much information coming at you Uh in a reading. It goes really fast and then there is just so much. And then some people like will literally forget Mm -hmm. that they have four kids. And they'll get off like, oh, she said I have four kids. (laughs) (laughs) In uh, my crowd, like sometimes Andrea will do special groups for my, my metaphysical Christian crowd and they love, love, love it. So everyone go sign up. Sign up. Thank you. And yes, I do groups. I love groups. And um, my work too is um, it's actually most of it's online or on the phone. So I don't need to be in person. I love it. We totally need to do one for like our listeners to have a group for our listeners to create that for our listeners. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Y'all email us and tell us you want it so we can know to create it. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. That's right. Well, any last minute shares before we go into our meditation? I would just say I feel a lot better now than I did coming into this because I was really nervous mm-hmm. to talk about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad yeah. I stepped up to it and faced what came up in me. So if anybody else is feeling like that, feeling just intimidated, then just, just go for it. Just dive right in and see what happens. Yeah, I'll say my... Um... My, one of my earliest memories is being three years old and I always felt very close to Jesus. Like it was, you know, we had stories and I, I had those little books that would beep and you would turn the page, you know, before you can read back when there was tape players. Um, and I, I love listening to those stories when I was little. And I remember um, praying or whatever version I was, I had when I was three years old and feeling so intensely close to Jesus that it was, it kind of overpowered me. Mm it scared me a little bit. Mm. And so I kind of, I, I remember, I mean, I was, I mean, I was so little, but I remember it so distinctly. And uh, I kind of asked for it to be backed off just a little bit because I had no way to verbalize that or ask for help or any words for that at all. And, uh, and I feel like a lot of my adult spiritual quest has been to reclaim that. Like now mm. that I'm in a body big enough to handle it and I have, you know, a developed enough brain and mind to be able to accommodate 
uh, some of those experiences. And so that was way before I could read. That was way before I knew barely what a Bible was. You know, so it's that direct experience that um, I think Jesus desires from us, not, mm. not a bunch of other, not a bunch of other mm. stuff. And, um, and another huge quest in my adult life is to help people recover from toxic understandings of who Jesus was and to reclaim the, um, the power of the teachings for themselves. And so thank you, Jesus. I'm, uh, mm-hmm. mo- most days I'm glad I'm on this journey. Yeah. Uh, other days, every, every, every ordained person I know other days, they're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> why? But <laughs> most days of joy. You know, I think the one word that, what the one word that keeps coming up over and over again for all of us with this energy of Christ is how personally yeah. empowering yeah. personal empowerment. Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny. Like there is this experience of like magic so as a child, like I felt safe, you know, we had an a picture in our room hanging up of, of Jesus and we would pray every night. Now I lay me down to sleep. You know, I pray to the Lord, my soul that I keep if I should die before I wake something. It's been a while since I've said it. Or my soul, soul to, to take. take. Pray the Lord, my soul to take. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. And so like yeah. if I was scared or had nightmares or something like that, always like connecting with that helped me to feel safe. Mm. And now as we spoke a little bit into the magic and whatnot, like I experienced the magic in my life and it's so cool. And I also experienced that what I call the initiations too. So the stuff that's not, you know, so comfortable that it's still love to me, that's the initiations to bring in that next aha or awareness into our lives. So that's my final mes- message for our listeners. Yeah, I love that we're all comfortable with the being uncomfortable part of this human experience. And like, we, we can see that as opportunities for growth. And I often, you know, I often think, why does it, why does anyone follow Jesus? This, this shit is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> like Jesus asked us to do some really profoundly difficult things. <sighs> right. To uh, uh, leave behind things that aren't serving us. I was just talking to someone earlier today when um, Jesus says, sometimes you have to leave, uh, you have to leave your parents. Like, no, don't go bury your father. Just follow me. And like when Jesus mother, and I, mm. I think we talked about this with mother Mary and now the worlds are colliding. Uh, but like when Jesus mother and brothers come and they're trying to get him put away, right? It's like, they're not my mother and brothers. All yes. of you are. Right. But like for so many people I know that can be literal, like for Christians who are wanting to step into their metaphysical path, sometimes they literally have to leave their families behind. Um, for, you know, Christians I know who are gay and have come out and their families uh, don't understand that they've literally had to leave their families in order to follow their true path. And it's not comfortable, but it's worth it. It's, right. So I want to share what just happened. Um, so I had Michael uh, sitting up on my dresser and it just fell off for whatever reason. So <laughs> there's, there's when, some Michael energy within this. When you say Michael, like a representation of Michael? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, did Michael the image. angel fall or Michael a representation of Michael fall? Yeah, from representation. The- <laughs> yes. uh-huh. He's letting mm. you know he's there. I think he's letting us know he's here. So we yeah, you know, he's cut away all the back. cords that have been keeping us from living the true, the true Jesus experience. Mm. Yeah. And that's what you were just talking about. Letting go, mm. cutting, letting go. Thank walking you. Away. 
Well, shall we? Katie, would you like to lead us into today's meditation for our listeners? Make sure you're in a safe spot to be able to connect and receive this meditation. And if you're not, wait till you are. Totally. And uh, this will be a companion to the meditation with Mary Magdalene, which is also one that I uh, led us on. And so you don't need to listen to that one first, but it, it would be fun if you wanted to go back and either redo that one or listen to that episode for the first time, which I think is episode three. Yeah. Episode three. It's, yeah. it's early on. So you can yeah, look at the titles and, and find it. Yeah. It's just a few back. So, yeah. So everyone settle in and, and get comfortable. And we spend so much of our lives forcing our bodies to be in shapes that they're not designed to be in. So I encourage everyone just to roll your shoulders and shake your hands out and get rid of any excess energy you need to going to as well. And just take that deep breath. And I invite everyone to imagine a staircase in front of them. And that staircase is 20 steps down. So you're going to go backwards through 20 centuries of time. Mm. Begin to walk down that staircase. And you might notice on either side of you that images are coming back from different centuries because you're literally descending through time. Now you're about halfway down that staircase and continuing on down. You don't need to take it too slow. You're down to the final three steps. Three, two, one. In front of you is a door or a threshold. Just notice what it looks like and go through it. And when you go through it, you find yourself looking at a garden in the distance. And start journeying that way. It's very early in the morning. Very quiet. You see a lone woman sitting, sitting down, weeping. Not wanting to disturb her, you keep on going. And you find a stone that's been rolled away from a cave entrance. You go into this cave. You might feel a presence. You might wonder what's going on. Just accept whatever feelings are coming up for you. You see linens lying there, but no one is obviously present. When you turn around, you do see a presence. You know that this is Jesus in some form who's there to offer a blessing to you. So I'll invite everyone to receive this blessing, which may come to you in the form of thoughts or emotions or forgiveness or asking you to forgive yourself or others. Maybe just images. We'll take about a minute for you to receive that.
Now with gratitude, you can receive that message in its entirety and know that you can continue to receive it for the rest of your life. You don't have to try to make sense of it right now. And when you open your eyes again and you're And now, in your mind's eye, when you open your eyes, you know that Jesus has departed from your visual presence, but is still there. You walk back outside of this cave. You see the same woman there, but she is joyful now, no longer weeping tears of sorrow. Just pass her by, go back to that door. And walk through it and start up these steps again, up the 20 steps. You're about halfway, continue on to the top and the final three, two, one. And when you're ready, just open your eyes, return to your present moment. You will have this gift for you to unveil itself. Mm. Thank you so much, Katie. How fascinating. I want to go ahead and share my experience really quick. So the stairs for me were these like white and gray marble stairs going down. And it's interesting that you spoke of the veil because my experience with Jesus was like there's this like energy coming to like the front of my face like coming down and then it was almost like a veil was being lifted um a man and there was like this like almost like this halo experience going around around my head and as i breathe in it would like curve downward then when i breathe out it would like go upwards. It was just really a, a fascinating experience and beautiful experience, like the expansion of the, the awareness around me and the consciousness as I was breathing. Mm. Andrea, would you like to share cool. what may have come up for you? Yeah. Um... Wow, the stairs was such a great mm-hmm. visual. And of course, my first, I thought we were going up. And I was shocked, <laughs> shocked that the stairs were going down. I was like, why are we going down? <laughs> I thought that was neat. And for me, the stairs were dark, like going into a cellar, more like a cave, like through time. And then as soon as opening the, the door, it was just tremendously colorful and could feel the wind on my face. But with... Jesus himself, I just felt this whole presence, like right around this huge presence around me, like hugging me, you know, that energy hugging me. And literally I just Mm. heard presence. I am here. Presence. I am here. And I just could feel, feel that it was beautiful. And I never want to end our meditations. (laughs) I never want to leave the energies that we're blending with. But this one, I really didn't want to leave. <laughs> you go back. 
go back. No. Don't. Don't. I, I, had a mo- I had a momentary right before I began. I was like, wait, 20 steps or 21? What century are we in? How many? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, we'll just go with 20. It'll be fine. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Maybe people in the 22nd century will be listening to this yes. just as needed on your repeats. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so very much. So I feel it's important to wrap up. We would love to hear your experiences of what you thought about this meditation. Please rate us, review us, whatever platform you're listening on, watching, uh, like us on Facebook, and just check us out. Anything else that you two ladies would like to share? Yeah, thank you so much for listening, and thank you two ladies for creating this. Oh, so wonderful. Thank you all. Bye. Bye.